the latest edition of The Watchers. I'm Rhys Jones. I'm Matthew Ford. And I'm Terence Marshman-Edwards. As they say in broadcasting, in a change to the advertised programme, tonight we are not going to be talking about the Bill and Ted Now trilogy because I'm afraid to say one of us has not done our homework. One of us has not been a good boy. And it is not Tezza. Is it Tezza? No, it isn't. I was ready to rock and roll. So which one of us has been a naughty, naughty little boy? I silence. think that would then mean it's Matthew. Silence. 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 Your silence, silence is, uh, your silence damns you, sir. <laughs> so we'll move on. Anyone think that we're very lucky that it's October because what we're going to do on this show is quite simply a Halloween special. <laughs> going to do it really simple before we have a little chat about our favourite horror films. We'll have a little chat about family friendly horror films for you and the kiddies. Matt, Sounds good to you're, me. You're the resident uh, watchers horror guru, so why don't you get the chat going? And also, because, you know, you better have done some fucking homework for at least this part of the show. <laughs> for this, at least. Oh. <laughs> the shade of it all. Because this is, this is my bread and butter. This is horror is my favourite genre by far. Uh, on, what's your favourite horror film of all time? Because that's like someone saying that to me. What's your favourite sci-fi film of all time? And I'll have a nervous breakdown. Oh, favourite horror film of all time. Okay, I'm going to go with The Haunting, 1963, Robert Wise. Oh, nice. Oh, favourite horror film. Nice, mate. Robert Wise, a bit of trivia for you here. Apart from The Haunting, he directed... West Side Story, Stadia Still, Star and Trek. also, I didn't know this until, thank the Lord for Wikipedia, Star Trek. Star, Star Trek, the motion picture. Also known as probably the worst Star Trek movie of all time. I know. <laughs> that was directed by Robert Wise, directed arguably the greatest horror film of all time, makes uh, the worst Star Trek movie Absolutely of all time. Absolutely the worst Star Trek film of all time. <laughs> that man in that film liked a montage. That's all I'll say. <laughs> what happened, Rob? What happened? What happened, Rob? <laughs> so go back to the haunting. Because <laughs> I've seen the, the remake. I've seen the remake. Also trivia, this this is the guy who edited Citizen Kane. I didn't know that. You had me there. Yeah, he was the editor on Citizen Kane. And he went on to direct Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah, that's a glittering career there. That's a... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, The Haunting edited Citizen Kane and directed the tragedy that is a film that had to have the words The Motion Picture because I've never known any other film to have that credited <laughs> to it ever. <laughs> he also won two Oscars for directing. He won for The Sound of Music as well as West Side Story. There you go. He's, he, he knows what he's doing. Why do you like The Haunting so much? It's a film about madness at the end of the day. It's not just a ghost story. It's a film about madness. Another bit of trivia for you. There's not one single straight camera angle inside Hill House. Each shot is either tilted, either slightly, or is full-on Dutch, just all over the shop. There is no master course in Dutch, break. is it? Say again? It's a master course in Dutch angle. Yeah. And just yeah. position. Pretty much 95% of that film is Dutch angles. See, I, I'm already going to like this film, aren't I? Because I can't help. I love a Dutch. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a it Dutch is, angle. It is, this film is designed to mess with your head. 
Um, also, the score for this um, is both horrible and brilliant. There's something about, for me, is get if I were to direct a film, get me a load of violins. There's something about a string section in a horror film yeah. that can just... Oh, yeah, the it, string it, section in a horror film, that... Yeah, like... Like, am I right in saying Psycho is the string section as well? It's yeah, that's yes. why Bernard Herrmann used strings only in Psycho. There you go. Uh, the Shining as well. Yeah, yeah. Like you, yeah. The shining like, is I think you're on, you're onto something, mate. You're like you're, you've nailed something here. That like the strings obviously pierce our soul. <laughs> like they yeah. literally. It's like, yeah. it, it's like it's the equivalent in music of pump someone putting their nails down a blackboard. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. It, it's Humphrey Searle who is the composer, and there's one scene, one infamous scene in, in The Haunting, where the house literally grabs Eleanor, and you have the strings that make this horrible kind of... <laughs> uh, Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. It's a study of madness, like I said, and it's a ghost story second. And Robert Wise's screen adaptation does exactly that. The, the quote from the book that is in the, the both bookends that the film, whatever walk there walks alone, it, it, it asks the question, is Hill House haunted or is Eleanor the only ghost to wander its corridors? It's the finest example of never showing you the monster. You never see a ghost in that film. It's always just letting your mind, that's the scariest thing about it. Whether it's you've got the infamous breathing door, or the shadowy, there's one scene where you have shadowy faces appear on the walls. When when Robert Wise does show you something, it is, it's nasty. It is nasty, horrible stuff. The best horror films are the ones that stay with you. And The Haunting, if you give it a watch, will we'll do that. But watch The Haunting, the original, the original and the best. Haunting the motion picture is the one we need to see then. Haunting the motion picture. Forget <laughs> Star Trek, The Haunting the motion picture. The haunting, I, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I need to watch the original then because because I've, I've, I'm, I'm afraid I quite enjoyed the remake with uh, Liam Neeson, but it was the '90s. And I haven't seen it for years. It's probably dated really badly, and it's probably poo. <laughs> I love it, the it's... fact that because it's the '60s, they hint at Theodora's character being a lesbian. Then Catherine Zeta-Jones comes along in the '90s. It's like, oh, there's nothing subtle about this. <laughs> There's, there's nothing subtle about Catherine Zeta's Jones's performance. You know which way she swings. She's full on fatale, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going with the whole original and best thing. I have gone on about this film many times in many different ways on the blog, really on the shows. So I'm not really going to continue to dissect it. Uh, all I am going to say is that if it, if I was on a desert island, this would be one of the films I'd take, and it is the 1973 version of The Wicker Man. Yay! Ooh. I don't necessarily consider it a horror film, not in the strictest sense, but it certainly shares a lot of the, the trappings of it, so figure it's good. Um, I honestly do not believe Christopher Lee has done a better job on film. I think it is his best role. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, sorry. Police, Police Academy Mission to Moscow is by far his superior <laughs> role. 
You couldn't. I'd have had slightly more respect for you. I'd have had slightly more respect for you, Reese, if you could have kept a straight face on that one. No, seriously, he is a the charismatic nominal villain because it's one of those films where you kind of look at it and you go, yes, the whole right wrong the no, the notions are all, all gone to pot on Summer Isle. I just absolutely love the film. I think the soundtrack to it is one of the best. The song that Willow sings as she attempts to seduce Sergeant Harry as she's she's knocking on his. Uh, Bedroom wall, seriously, one of the most sensual things you'll see on film. And that's coming from me. (laughs) You know, this Halloween, please do keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. So, what's your first choice then, Rich? Well, I've got a list in front of me of like films I was going to bring into the chat, but after just chatting about Christopher Lee, there's there's a certain character that he he is well known for that I love, and that, you know, anything with Dracula in. And I'll watch it. Anything with vampires, I'll watch it. Um, you know, I love, I love a bit of vampirism. Even, even Twilight. I can't, that's not vampires. That's 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 people glistening in the daylight. That's not a vampire. Don't get me. Don't 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 mention Triggered. Twilight on Halloween special. <laughs> that's for Valentine's. <laughs> quote unquote. No. <laughs> Proper vampires. Uh, I'll even go as far as John Carpenter's Vampires, which which was a 1990-something classic, which is absolutely brilliantly bad. You know, you've got The Lost Boys. That's, that's one of the top of my list for it comes to vampire films. But, you know, anything with vampires, anything for me, that's... I love it. I love the, the atmosphere of a vampire film, especially a Dracula film. The old meets new, the idea of immortality, the idea of seduction, the idea of power, hypnotism, the power of the blood, the everlasting soul. And, you know, you've got a villain as well that's got certain weaknesses and there are certain rules, like they can't go out in fucking daylight, Twilight. Do you know, there's certain, there's certain rules, there's certain things, you know, the, the stake. There's all these classic, you know, the classic bits to do with it. And yeah, Christopher Lee was the man, he was the Mac Daddy of like, of, of Dracula and the Hammer Horrors. He was, he just had such a figure. And, you know, there's so many actors that played the role. Even Jared Butler played Dracula in a great, like, camp, campy movie, Dracula 2000. Like, vampires for me. You know, I you can hear my voice. I get so excited about the idea of a film with a vampire. You just ah, you know, it's just got style. You know, and every time they've done one, there's they they they're like the westerns. They come back and there's another version of of a vampire quote unquote film. Like the eighties, I mentioned it, The Lost Boys. That's such an eighties movie, but it's you know, it's the new romantics meets vampires. That's what The Lost Boys is. You know, it's it's such an eighties stylistic, beautifully amazing film. It's like a timepiece now of an era. But and then a couple of years previous to that, you had um, Near Dark. Ah, God, Near yeah. Dark is near well, perfect. Yeah. It's an absolutely blinding film. That is an amazing piece of work. Yeah, you 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 get a vampire in a film for me, and I'm there. I, I will love it. I'll enjoy it. You know, I I even enjoyed the latest Dracula miniseries from Moffat. You know, like it was. No, I say enjoyed it. First two episodes are good. But yeah, so if you put a vampire, especially the Prince of Darkness in a film, oh, I'm, I'm a happy man. If I if I could choose a horror genre that I would like to make, it's vampire. That is 
these two guys know that 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 is for me the what i want to do that that mm-hmm. many of my horror ideas revolve around vampire yeah I, it's, yeah, it's really? more of a more of a large scale kind of like character and subspecies of films rather than a particular one for me have you ever seen um fright night roddy mcdowell I've, I've seen the original i've seen the remake and i like yeah. i like both i like robert yeah. mcdowell the version of robert mcdowell i like the sequel as well fright night 2 funny enough but i also like the remake they did um with david tennant in the Roddy mcdowell mm. uh, character i am a massive vampire movie nerd i love them i absolutely love them matt what's your next choice a nice he links in because my next one is a vampire film and i don't think reese has seen it well actually no reese won't have seen it because yeah subtitles 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 but the american remake is very good the american remake i have to say in fairness is very good Mm. Um, but watch, try and watch the original though. Tez knows what I'm going to say. 2008, let the right one in. I would say best horror film of the 21st century and one of the best horror films ever made. Hands down. Wow. Hands down. And I will fight anyone who argues against me. If you haven't seen Let the Right One In, it's set in Sweden and it tells the story of bullied 12 year old Oscar who befriends the girl next door, Ely who, it turns out, da, 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 is a centuries-old vampire trapped in a child's body. Oh, I see. I need to watch this. Now, I'm, I'm going to chuck this in. I saw this when I went to my very first Edinburgh Festival back in 2008. <laughs> just drop that in there. But that... Matt, I, really? You, just, <laughs> you used to go to the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Film Festival? Before COVID came along, I did. Yes. Yes, oh. Ted. Which festival you know, did, you, did you go to? mentioned that before. No, he's not mentioned that before. That never, never, never. Which festival was it? Uh, the Edinburgh International no, no, Film Festival. Definitely not, no, you've definitely not mentioned Edinburgh Film Festival at all over the years while doing this show constantly in any way. No. No, not at all. Not at all. Even back in, you know, 2008, I've still not seen a film up there that matches it. It's perfect storytelling. How similar Oscar and Ely are. They're both lonely. They're both trying to pass as normal children. And the irony that the only person who shows Oscar any any compassion is a vampire. There's no CGI in this. Unlike the American remake, but yes, the American remake, I will give it credit, does do it well. It's 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 practical effects all the way. It's it it plays with vampire folklore. It shows you stuff that you wonder, how does a vampire do that? What would happen if the scene where you you find out in this film what happens when a vampire crosses the threshold and isn't invited? Oh, it's not a good day. It's not a good thing. You see what happens when a vampire walks into daylight? Crispy, crispy. It also, the climax, the climax of that film, you, Reese, you would love it because you would sit there and going, it's one shot and it looks like one shot and you're thinking, Where's the cut? Oh. The amount of times I've watched it and you go, <laughs> there's got to be a cut here, but where is it? Right, Matt, you've sold it to me. I'm going to watch it. Where where Evie takes on Oscar's bullies and it all happens underwater and it is all, it looks like it's one shot and it's amazing. Let the right one in. It'll have you teary-eyed. It'll have you welling up, but it also gets under your skin and it stays there. I, I don't want to move away from vampires, but I will. Wes Craven's Scream. Yeah. That film is the epitome of meta. It, it's the film that made the phrase meta popular in the 90s, you know, and it redefines a genre by 
pointing out the failings in the 70s and 80s horror films, which were just stereotypes or plot points that were always used. And it's just such a clever, funny, witty, scary film. And what I love about it as well is I find things scary when they're believable and set in a certain amount of reality, as in a human killer. I find that more terrifying than, you know, if there's a monster or a zombie or the undead lord of darkness, I can leave it in this, you know, I leave it. It doesn't affect you when you leave the cinema, but I remember seeing the original Scream at home and there's the opening scene with Drew Barrymore in the popcorn and she's about to watch a scary movie in the house. Yeah. The film makes you want to go and lock the doors of your house. Like that, it, to me, that's why yep. I think it's so good. Like it's, yeah, it's funny in places, but it's it's scary in places. It's dramatic in places. The twists at the end are some of the best twists in movie history. You know, it's it's just it's bloody pitch perfect as a film that is literally self-referencing its own genre by showing you a scary film. It's, you know, good God, it's timeless. It's absolutely, it's that timeless. The fifth one's on the way, for God's sake, you know? Yeah. Mm. It, the, the opening with Drew Barrymore and the scary phone calls, I mean, that's a short film in and of itself. Yeah. You could finish that, you see her hanging from a tree, and you'd have a, almost perfect horror short yeah but then they go in they start deconstructing it all starts getting as you say it gets a bit meta my favorite bits in it one of the phone calls that sydney has with the killer she says something about oh god they always run upstairs when they should be running out the front door yeah it's ridiculous yeah and yet when she is attacked she heads straight upstairs. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant because you get these wonderful little barbs. But it's not like when when we say it's spoofing, it's not spoofing kind of going, well, isn't this ridiculous or holding it up to ridicule? It's kind of quite affectionately playing with the the, the big tropes within the, the horror genre. Yeah. And that's where I think it, it at least the original and, and actually the uh, Scream 2, I think that's what elevates both of them. Yeah. Is that it's a very affectionate kind of playing with these tropes rather than going, huh, this is silly. <laughs> Since we're on the subject of seminal classics, my second one, Halloween. Yeah. 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 Again, when not a monster. When Reese and I, when Reese and I did the top 10 many, many years ago, Halloween was our top film. There's a reason for that. It's because it's bloody terrifying. Yeah. It's well shot. It's well photographed. Pace. The music is just superb. And the best thing about all of it is they don't try and do anything with the, the character of Michael Myers. Is this is literally the boogeyman. Yeah. You know a little bit about him, but that's it. He is this figure that is stalking the town. And even though, yes, we know it's he's got the links with his family, blah, blah, blah. It's still this blank-faced, evil presence. And it's just outstanding. And that's literally where um, the, the scream face came. You know, it's the same. That's, mm. that's the trope. That's the archetype. That's the 
you know that's yeah. that's the the archetype they're going for in Scream is 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 Michael, you know, the original Michael, like like this this messed up, psychopathically mentally ill man who shouldn't be out of <laughs> yeah you know shouldn't be out of a mental institution. He should be knocked away on on drugs yeah. <laughs> and being looked at. Also, though, a little bit of trivia for you, and I think given our previous discussion about the late great much missed christopher lee both christopher lee and peter cushing were approached to play sam dr sam loomis i think i'm right in saying cushing's agent turned the role down without even discussing it with cushing i think he just said no on the actor's behalf whereas christopher lee turned it down because they weren't offering a lot of money so then obviously the the role went to donald pleasance Lee would go on to say that that was his biggest, one of his biggest professional regrets was turning down playing Loomis. But can you imagine that wonderful monologue that Donald Pleasance delivers about looking into the eyes of evil? Can you imagine Christopher Lee doing that? It's got a shiver even just thinking about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, we can't talk about horror films without talking about Halloween. As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a seminal part of it. Staple diet. Oh, it's me, is it? Right. Don't Look Now, 1973, directed by Nicholas. Oh, you beauty. (laughs) Oh, this one should be. I think anyone who wants to be a film director should be forced to sit down and watch this film and go, look, this is what you can do. Look at the possibilities. Absolutely. If you haven't seen it, briefly, what it's about. So still grieving over the death of their daughter, Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland uh, go to Venice, where they meet two sisters who claim to be speaking to the spirit of their dead child. And then things get really creepy. Without a doubt, it's one of the finest depictions of grief on screen. Uh, Donald Sutherland's mind is shattered by grief. And that's what Nicholas Roeg is putting on the screen and showing you. Every frame, every frame of this film is like a work of art. It's like a painting. The opening of Don't Look Now, if you don't know it, is it's it's iconic. I won't spoil it, but it's 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 a gut punch that you really, considering all the horrible stuff that goes on the screen, you can't take your eyes off it. And it's the film is a lesson in mounting dread. Uh, you know something bad is going to happen, and Roa racks up the tension all the way to the finale, and oh that finale i've watched don't look now easily i don't know a dozen times if not more and that finale is horrible it just gives you a shudder when judy christie is reaching through that locked gate and just cries out darlings it just it goes through you and it doesn't leave you don't look now is one of my favorite horror films it's also one of the worst stage plays i've ever seen (laughs) going off on a tangent what Going off at a time. Imagine that translating good. I can't imagine that translating well to stage. It doesn't. Oh, it doesn't, Tess. Right. Me, me and my brother. My me and my brother went to see the stage play of Don't Look Now, and uh, it was going okay until they tried to recreate the sex scene. Oh. Yeah. 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 They tried to recreate the iconic sex scene from Don't Look Now, and it was basically like walking in on your parents having sex. And he's up there on the stage. It's how we describe it. So truly horrifying. It was truly horrifying. It was, I don't know what noises she was making. She sounded like she was doing a really painful poo. 
god. Which, when, which, at which point, me, when yeah. it got to the interval, uh, me and my brother walked out. We did not go back, but it was, mm. yeah. But I'll give I'll give Nick Nick Rogue this, and the the way that that sex scene is shot in oh. the film and and how it's cut together is just superb, superbly done. For for years for years there were rumours that it wasn't actually simulated. Mm, really, but that's a long. But that's that's been debunked by pretty much everyone who's been involved in it. They've all said no, it's just incredibly realistic. And the thing is, with that scene, because they've been grieving, because they've been going through this process, to see them having that moment is beautiful, and it's kind of it's a moment, it's a a rare moment of kind of joy and levity against the mounting gloom and terror that's coming in but the final act the final scene that final twist i mean jesus i can't think of there are very few horror twists that are kind of that iconic i think for a reason but don't look now is just beautiful film well i i can spot a segue to uh bring in the conversation the film that i want to bring to the table is because i'm not a massive horror fan I'm not. I don't. I'm not a big horror fan. I enjoy horrors that mess with your head, psychologically mess with you. I'm not into the gore. I find it tediously dull. And like Matt said, as soon as CG gets involved, well, I might as well be playing a fucking computer game if you're going to try and scare me. And probably Resident Evil, the computer game, would scare me more than half the movies are out there. But we digress. Uh, the Mist. Oh, what? Yeah. A masterpiece of cinema i of course am a massive frank darabont fan who is obviously the director of a couple other films that i love like the green mile and the shawshank redemption to name a couple he was also the original exec producer on the walking dead and he oversaw the first series yes. and how that was begun it's run neon 10 years but he's the man that that, that uh, got that version on screen moving forward and funny enough if you watch The Mist, you can see where a lot of the cast he met on this film ended up being in The Walking Dead. The Mist itself is based on a Stephen King story. And what's brilliant about The Mist to start with, it's not massively sold on Stephen King's The Mist. It's The Mist. Basically, it's a freak storm that unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. Yes, it's basically... This weird mist descends on this town and then you get this weird kind of claustrophobia. And yes, there's big, you know, there's creatures outside the supermarket where they're held up. But the true horror of this film is not the monster. It's not the puppety little tangly things that come in and grab people. It's not the CG monsters or the CG mist. No, it's the humans in this small community who basically, under fear, they can either fight or flight, and a lot of them can't do either, and you get you see the true personalities of people when they are, they've got nothing else but to survive. And it's just, oh, psychological 101 warfare in a confined space. It is 
brilliantly paced, brilliantly acted, superbly directed. I have probably said this on this program before, but I will say it again. That film has the bleakest and one of the best <laughs> horror film endings in history. It's up there with the original yep. Planet of the Apes. It's that amazing. And I will not say what the ending is because that will spoil it for anyone who watches it. And when you finally watch it, you want to, you hear the term gut-wrenching or you feel like the wind's been knocked out of you at the end of a film, you don't know the meaning of that until you see the mist. It is oh, pretty much perfect. It's just brilliant, gents. See, this is the kind of, this is exactly the kind of film that I use as an example for the utter, utter snobbery that happens within award bodies. Yes. I'll tell you why. Marsha Gay Harden's performance as Mrs. Carmody mm. is one of the best supporting roles in a film that year. She is terrifying. She, she is. is the religious fundamentalist. She is evil, but she's not evil in the sense that the things outside are evil. She's evil because she has the sway and she starts to infiltrate and manipulate people and it's chilling absolutely chilling and in any other in any other circumstance had that not been a genre movie her name would have been up there for major awards absolutely but because it's but because it's a genre film they go oh it's just it, it's monsters it's cgi monsters nah nonsense but it is it's so it's so well observed the quote that keeps going through my head is is the one from The Dark Knight, which is, you know, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. Yeah. Yeah. Not physically, I mean, not 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 literally, but yeah. Oh, I don't know. When the chips left are them down, any longer. Yeah. <laughs> when the chips are down, you see people for who they are and you see what they'll do. And it's sometimes it's not a pretty picture. But yeah, in terms of gut punch endings, that is really really up there one of the other ones i'd add to that is the descent oh yes the final bit of the descent oh jesus i mean the film itself and once the it's one of those films starts really well okay when you get the golem creatures not quite so good and then the end you go oh my word but anyway that's not the film that i wanted to mention <laughs> my last one the last film i want to mention in the same kind of vein as The Wicker Man, I don't consider this a horror in its strictest sense, but it does share a lot of the kind of the DNA with it. And it's The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. 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 Again, I've spoken about this at length, so I don't really want to say much more. It, to me, is virtually perfect as a film. Chilling. And as an adaptation of a novel, it's very close you know you you pretty much got as much as you can from from page to screen yeah i i don't want to say any more on it that's that <laughs> so halloween i don't know how it's going to work this year trick-or-treating that kind of thing so it's a, probably a good time to gather the family around and watch a good old-fashioned family-friendly horror-ish film horror-ish film i like that horror-ish i mean you know i certainly wouldn't advise that you put on alien in front of your kids because you know unless you want to be paying therapy bills for the rest of the rest of their teenage life no we're talking about these the kind of family-friendly kind of spooky little films 
that your little ones can enjoy, your teenagers can enjoy, and the adults can enjoy as well. So I am going to kick off with one film that I thoroughly enjoy, I love, and it is a good example of what I'm talking about. It's Hocus Pocus. Oh, yes. Classic Disney. Classic Disney. You know, Bette Midler, Kathy Najimy, Sarah Jessica Parker, they, they're having a ball. You can tell they're enjoying it, which is even better. I mean, it's camp. It's eminently quotable. It's hilarious. It's not so scary that it's going to traumatise your little ones, but it's got that little couple of bits, which are a little bit of an edge to it. Um, and also some great monster work by the phenomenal Doug Jones, who plays uh, Billy Butcherson, the, uh, the zombie. But... I think if you want to go for something with a little bit of an edge to it, start with Hocus Pocus. Absolutely. Um, but let me just ask you this, though, Tez, because we all love the original. What's your opinion on the Disney Plus sequel coming? Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you not I know that? No, I did not know this. Did you not know about <laughs> Hocus Pocus 2, Rise of the Elder Witch? No. <laughs> and I kind of wish I didn't know now. Why? <laughs> Why? It's, well, when they announced it, they announced it on, uh, in back in September, and it's been you know flying around for a little while. But it's gonna be you know it's gonna happen on Disney Plus, and uh, yeah, most I think the cast are all returning. Bette Midler's coming back. The original stars are back. Well, that's gonna that was gonna be my main thing. Is so long as they've confirmed that the Sanderson sisters are all back, I've got no problem. Yeah, yeah, they're be back. interested to see how they go with the. Be interested to see where they take the story. They've managed to get them back uh, as a Disney Plus sequel, yeah. and it's the original I cast. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's anything that needs a sequel, but then a lot of films don't necessarily need a sequel and get them. But I think so long as they've got the they've got the cast in place, I think you know, that's a good start. It's well, it's got you know it's it's looking it's looking good because it's going to be directed by Adam Shankman, so you know ah oh, very good yeah and he's, good he's also in the middle of a well the often muted and long digesting Enchanted sequel you know which you know the rumors flying around that's be called dis that's probably going to be called Disenchanted when they finally get it made but he's also the guy that was behind the Hairspray uh, reversion. Yeah. That's who he, he is. The, that's the director. Yeah. And that's who's been he's lined safe, up. He's a safe pair of hands because to link into that, Kenny Ortega was the director of the original version and he was the guy who did the High School Musical films. Absolutely. So, so yeah. you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good, good lineage. I think, I think it's, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, given the, the world as it, given the world as it is now, who knows if it will even actually happen. That's but. the thing. But, I mean, Adam Shankman was, you know, I can quote you right in front of me, the way he tweeted after the news was broken, that he said, the honour I feel in moving these beloved legacies forward is more than I could have dreamt. I hope to please all the loyal fans. Uh, and he says, wish me luck. I think that is a very grounded view when you're doing a sequel uh, to a film that originally yeah, came out oh, in the 1990s. So, Matt, what would you recommend? Go with me on this. Hear me out. Go with me on this. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Army of Darkness 
Evil Dead 3. No, that is not a friendly family film. It is. It, I think you'll find, I think you'll find, if you want to introduce your kids to the Evil Dead franchise, and it is a franchise now, start off with Army of Darkness. Yes. What was the rating of Army film. of Darkness, Matt? Uh, it's a 15. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's a 15, but in the same way that, you know, the Terminator films are considered 15s now. No, and they're 18. No, you can't. No. You you buy Terminator and Terminator 2 on Blu-ray now, they're 15s. But still not a family-friendly film. <laughs> I can't Just say, help me out here. Hear me out. Yes, there is gore in Army of Darkness. <laughs> you gore. think? But more than the other Evil Dead films, it's much more Tom and Jerry cartoonish. It's not, you know, hammers being taken to people's skulls or anything like that in the previous films. It's that much is more true. cartoonish. That is and true. Also, it does get very ridiculous. Also, kids will love the whole Ray Harryhausen stop motion skeleton armies with their Monty Python English accents. It's so over the t over the top and laugh a minute, they'll they'll love it. Cue cue sounds of agreement and nods and yes, Matt, you're spot on. Matt, you're so not spot on. That is not a family friendly spooky evening in with kids. Uh, it, I in, would... the same way, in the same way as Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is on my that is the next one I'm going to mention, so we might as well talk about it. That is a PG film. There's moments where the, that that film is generally there are near the knuckle moments in Ghostbusters. Yeah, there are. I think I PG. Ghost... No, but if I think if Ghostbusters had been out when you had the twelve rating, might kind of flirted with it. I'm sorry, you can't get away with a line like "This guy has no dick." In a, uh, but they did. They got away with it in a U film. But in in fairness, that guy has no dick. He had yeah. He that, this is true. He has no dick. Has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an odd one because I was looking at that and going because I thought, oh, you're looking at at least a PG, maybe a twelve for Ghostbusters, and I was like, it's a U, really? That's a bit rum. But. Yeah, Ghostbusters, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could definitely put that in front. I would go as far as Ghostbusters 2. Like, I would put that mm. in there as well. Like, Yeah. I do think, though, Matt's got a point with Army of Darkness. Perhaps for slightly older older children. I certainly wouldn't put, like, a six-year-old in front of it. No. But if you had kind of, like, teenage... Yeah, but if you had teenagers... Right. Had, like, in that 13, vein, 14, they, should, they should definitely they need to watch Gremlins as well. Then they definitely need to watch. Gremlins. Oh yeah, definitely. I would I'm say sure. Gremlins is less less scary and less offensive than the Army of Darkness. I would agree with you there. Yes, I yeah. agree. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I must have been about like I don't know six or seven when I first watched Gremlins. Oh, man, we, I loved we, it. we were warped. We were eighties nasties, video nasty generation. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. so there's another pair of films that I would think I would recommend. Obviously, the Adams Family, and yes. Adams Family yeah. Values. Yay! We don't mention the third fantastic. one. Fantastic. Hmm? We don't mention the third one. No, because the third one third was one. direct to video, and even though it was Tim Curry. Yeah. Which is a pretty good shout for Gomez. Yeah, it's still not great. Yeah. But yeah, Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values. So Barry Sonnenfeld, 
as director. Raoul Julia, Angelica Houston, Christopher Lloyd, Christina Ricci. Just gloriously over the top. Love it, love it, love it. And performance-wise, absolutely superb. The relationship and the chemistry between Raoul Julia and Angelica Houston is just palpable. It's sizzling. And the way that they play Gomez and Morticia, hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> never mind never mind this nonsense about being Harley Quinn and the Joker because that's abusive that's Stockholm Syndrome that's wrong that's twisted no be like Gomez and Morticia they love each other they're there for each other they've got each other's backs they enjoy life with passion and love that is what you want kids and I think you introduce a kid to it at that age they'll have a wonderful view about adult relationships and uh, it'll be great on and plus also the two of them the two films there, really, again, quotable scripts, funny, beautifully constructed films as well. You know, the, the, the art direction, the set decoration, all that kind of stuff, beautiful on all of them. And Adam's Family Values, you've also got the fantastic Joan Cusack, who, who is brilliant as uh, Fester's new love interest. Just absurd. So, yes, that's my next choice. I've got Thank a you. couple more I can chuck in. One of them, if you poo-pooed Army of Darkness, wait till you hear this one. Oh, God, here we go. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956 black and white original. Okay, I'll let you have that one. That's yeah, that fine. I'll let you have that Thank one. Thank you so much. I did wonder if you were going to say the 78 one with Donald Sutherland. If you said Sutherland. 78 with that ending. Donald like... Sutherland remake. Yeah, stick that in front of your kids. No. <laughs> I think you can't go wrong with a black and white B-movie or a... Old monster movie, The Mummy, The Werewolves, mm. the old, you know. I think you can't go wrong with that because that's not going to scare modern kids either because they'll just be like, it's black uh, and white. You say mm. that with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, there's no sex, there's no drugs, there's no violence, but all oh, the idea at the core of it is going to fuck your little kiddies up. Yeah. They're not going to look at their next door neighbour's kid, their bezzy mate, in the same light again. <laughs> <laughs> The other one I was going to mention quickly, second time for Nicholas Roeg mentioned, The Witches. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, that film is scary. Oh, <laughs> is that film scary? The bit with the child in the painting. That mm. is nightmarish stuff. I um, also, also the bit with where the witches reveal themselves within, oh. the, within the council. That bit is... Yeah, even now you look at it, you go, whoo. Yeah. Um, the makeup and the prosthetics. It's mm. Jim Henson. Jim yeah. Henson Creature Shop did it. It's on oh, Angelica Houston. She is loving every minute. Got some, got some big shoes to fill in that remake. Oh, I watched the trip. Oh, I'll give it yeah. a go. But... This, this next one is not so much just a recommendation of a film. It's a type of film of which, you know, I've got a, a list of about half a dozen that fall under it. There are some really great stop motion animations, which which have got a nice little spooky edge to them, which I think are perfect for, for this time of year. So you've got films like Monster House, Paranorman, mm. Coraline, oh. Frank and Weenie, mm. The Corpse Bride. Oh, yes. And for this time of year, even, even so, Nightmare Before Christmas. Absolutely. If you didn't mention that, I was going to beat you. <laughs> 
This is Halloween. So there, I mean, we've given you quite a few suggestions there for, for settling down and watching with your family. Uh, maybe not. All of them, maybe not. I was going to say, Army of Darkness, I think that at the top of your list. You can email Matthew at. <laughs> Watch his production. Get him into Evil Dead while you're young. That's our Halloween special for 2020. Hope you've had a lovely time with us. I'm Terence Marshall Edwards. I'm Rich Jones. And I'm Matthew Ford. And have a spooky Halloween. <laughs> Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. Round that corner and hiding in the trash can. Something's waiting now.